Welcome to the Nun Report, bringing your regular dose of truth, freedom, and weirdness with your host, Dan Nunn. Thanks for tuning in to this week's guest edition of The Nun Report. This week, we're talking with a constitutional conservative who believes in God, family, and unity. He served his country for his entire adult life as a Marine and later in the Army Special Forces as a Green Beret. Locally since 2019, he has served in the Washington State on the Richland School District's board as legislative representative. He now has a sight set on the governorship of one of the bluest states there is in the country, Washington State. That's no easy task where it has been 38 years since Republican last led the state. Today we'll hit a range of topics from education, taxes, family values, Second Amendment, crime, and more. Let's get to it and welcome to the show veteran, constitutional conservative, and Washington gubernatorial candidate, Sammy Bird. Sammy, thanks for coming on. I know you're a busy guy. I'm happy to be here. I appreciate the invitations. Good seeing you. Yeah, you too. You too. So, uh, you know, I think, I mean, I didn't, first time I heard your name was when you started running for governor, man. I didn't know who Sammy Bird was. And I think a lot of people here in Washington are the same. Uh, since then, I've done a little bit of research. I've looked at your, uh, I mean, your platform on your website is great, which by the way, is put together really well. Thank you. Um, why don't you give us a little bit of background on yourself, uh, you know, your, your, your history, maybe some of your qualifications and uh, why why you want to uh, take on this daunting task of um, beating the machine here in Washington State. Yeah, well, you know, I came from humble beginnings. You know, I started off born to a single mom with seven children, inner city ghetto of East Oakland, California. Um, mom raised me to be strong and resilient. And you can see I'm in a hotel, so you're going to see some backdrop <laughs> because I'm on the road. And uh, that that's the fun and games of running for a statewide uh, position. But back to point, I started out in the inner city ghetto of East Oakland, California. Um, humble beginnings, born to, 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 how should I put this? My mom was a strong, strong Christian conservative. And when you say that, it sounds weird knowing that she was a Democrat. Mom wanted me to be resilient. She knew how the times were back then. She knew that we lived pre-civil rights, that we lived in a time of uh, segregation. Racism was one, run amok. And we were poor. We were dirt poor. But she ensured that I had faith. She ensured that I had that intestinal fortitude, that personal courage, so that I could navigate um, the barriers that would come about and come before me. And they have my entire life. But I met them head on. Mom moved us out of the ghetto to Seattle, Washington. I was raised in Seattle, Washington. I dropped out of high school in Seattle, Washington. Um, I joined the Marine Corps. I served two enlistments in the United States Marine Corps, got my good conduct medal, expeditionary sea service deployment, received my honorable discharge. I uh, got my high school diploma while serving in the military. I went later went and got my bachelor's degree in business administration. But this time, Dan 4.0, summa cum laude, and then a graduate degree from Villanova, 3.75. And so what I would say to anyone out there, there's nothing we cannot do if we have that intestinal fortitude, that self-regard, that understanding that we can navigate adversity if our mindset is one that is resilient. Um, yeah, 16 years later, I came back in, served as a Special Forces Green Beret after 9-11, served in combat, Bronze Star Valor, Purple Heart, Meritorious Service Medal, few commendation medals. Um, I had a great career and I retired from the military later on. I uh, also took a job with United States Department of Energy. I was going to go into the intelligence uh, business, federal agency. A lot of, lot of special ops do. Yeah. A lot of special ops. 
And, uh, but yeah, no, I, I served uh, in, uh, with the United States Department of Energy. I worked my way up from a GS nothing to a GS 14 out of 15. And uh, later taught at WSU, Tri-Cities, uh, became a behavioral scientist. I ran my own consulting firm, helping organizations improve, organizations improve performance, leadership, and uh, how to streamline, how to perform better. I think we could use that in Washington State. But that's a quick synopsis of, okay. of my background and where I'm at. Well, you've worked with a lot of people and a lot of platforms, and uh, and that's that's important, of course. And it, it, the one thing that really stuck out to me there is is that you had, um, regardless of whether you dropped out of school or not. I'm from Seattle too. Um, also, a fellow. Uh, uh, I think I graduated. Uh, I'm, I'm in the class that did not graduate, somewhere around tenth, and I, I went fishing in Alaska. But um, oh. but you had a solid foundation. It sounds like you had somebody in your life who laid a foundation of of faith. And honesty, and um, and you you said she was a Democrat, but let's face it, a Democrat then is not the same as what a Democrat is. Brother, today. you called it. You called it. You know, my, my mom raised me because she, to, to be resilient because she loved me. I mean, and understand that just like any other parent, this is not strange. When you love your children, you want the very best for them. You have a an, an uncompromising, uncompromising, unconditional positive regard for your kids. She wanted me to be as strong as I could be and prepared for what I was going to face. She didn't raise me to be a victim. She didn't raise me to put blame on other people. My mom literally, and I remember this vividly, she would often tell me, never conduct yourself in such a way that people could look down upon you. Because she knew people would based on the color of my skin. But she said, if they do, if they choose to do that, even when you're treating them with kindness, grace, and respect, then honey, that's them. That's not you. You know that they have a darkness somehow in them and you pray for them. You look at where we're at right now in the 21st century with the racial division, the way it is. I don't know what's happening. Well, I do know what's happening. This is this is an intentional movement. We're going divide. backwards. Right? Right? I mean, we're going backwards in time. And, and that's what's confusing. You wake up one day and you think, oh, it's a better time. Then all of a sudden people keep telling day in and day out. And now they're trying to teach our children helplessness, that that the, the, the world the United States is rigged against you no matter what you do. If you're black and brown, that the, the racist, you know, Washington state, the racist school system, the racist everything, police yeah. system is against you. And that is not true. It's patently false. Yeah. Well, I've always said that, uh, you know, Obama was at a unique place in history where he could have done things and united in a way that no other person ever really could since George Washington, in my opinion. And um, and instead of doing that, um, he chose to uh, sow division and to, um, you know, whether whether it's through class, through race, through, uh, you know, ethnicity or background, where you're from, um, rich, poor, whatever. It seems like uh, every time we turned a corner, he was he was uh, an education, too. And, um, you know, that's an important thing. Education, man. Um, here in Washington, uh, you know, you would think that the amount of money you spent would equal better test scores, right? And yeah. what we've seen, though, however, is just exactly the opposite. That the more money we throw at education, the lower the test scores are. Um, you know, where is this money going? Because it seems like right now the Democrats' answer to the test scores being low is, well, let's spend more money. We're just not spending enough money, yeah. right? Um, yeah. That 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 can't possibly be the solution, or else it would have already been fixed, right? No, so absolutely. So for your for your listeners, um, I was never going to get into politics. They asked me to run for Senate, Congress, governor before. I said, no, thank you. And and I understand why, you know, that there's not a lot of black conservatives out there. And they thought that that could be a pathway. Right. Because 
of my background, understanding poverty, understanding those who typically don't vote for us, maybe they would look at my life and say, maybe this, this, there is a path to victory. So I did, after they shut down the state, after they shut down our schools or places of worship, our economy, I did run for school board. I was successful. So serving on the school board, I have the understanding of what's going on with our education. And what I will say to you and to your listeners, only 50.7% of all students met grade level standards for English and language arts in Washington state. Only 37.7% of all students in Washington state met grade level standards for math. And only 42.7% of all students in Washington state met grade level standards for science. So we're failing our students academically, but we're graduating them at a rate of 82 to 83%. And we're paying about $16,753 more or less per child on average for their education. You could take that money and homeschool yeah. and walk away with equity. You could take that money and put them in a pro good private school where they're not going to be indoctrinated, where they're not going to be influenced to change their sex or to question who they are or to think that the world is racism or that somehow there's something wrong with them because they're black or brown. That money could go to a lot better use. So what I would say is this, we need accountability in our school system. And there are frameworks that are out there that have been proven to work. Universal design for learning, structured reach, scientific to, to reading versus balanced literacy. There's so many things we can be doing and we should be doing to raise those scores and deliver a quality education to Washington children as per the constitution and as per the law. Yeah, so how does, does choice, you mentioned, um, you know, private school or homeschooling. And, and by the way, homeschooling is much easier than most people think. Um, it only takes a few hours a day. You don't need to, you know, it's not a six or seven hour a day endeavor. Um, but I would imagine based on what you said, you're for school choice for people, whether it's uh, co-ops or homeschooling or private schooling or uh, public schooling. So how do you reconcile all that together? Uh, I mean, how do you kind of envision that because um, there's, there's a financial angle to it as well that the state and, and the federal funding is going to have to go toward. Yeah, so absolutely. You know, so federal funding comes in typically for Title I schools, right? And those, those are those underprivileged communities where um, there's disparate impact in terms of education uh, and wealth, et cetera. And so a voucher program, and this has been done all throughout the United States. It's very mm -hmm. successful in many states because states are waking up, except for this one, because this one is controlled by the teachers union. And the teachers union do not want uh, does not want the government to pull that money away from their public education system and give it to parents so that they can lift their children up. By the way, you mentioned uh, homeschooling. So not costing as much, not taking as much time or rigor, et cetera. Homeschooling yields some of the highest results in terms of academic achievement versus any other model in the world. And so it goes to show you again how fractured our public education system is. I'm not gonna give up on our public education system. We're gonna change the, the focus to performance-based education. So if you're running a public school, you will be held accountable. You want those state funds, you need to perform for those state funds. We're gonna incentivize competition. That's what charter schools, that's what home schools, that's what private schools is gonna bring into this education system in Washington state. And who's gonna benefit? The people who should benefit most, not the unions, the children, the families, Schools belong to the community. Children belong to parents. Neither belong to the state or the government. Yeah, well, I mean, you mentioned, I mean, accountability, competition, and consequences. Those, you mentioned three things there that, man, I mean, that, that's just about, if we just had more of that in our life and more of that in our country, that would fix a lot of things, right? Amen. Yeah, so um, if you go, uh, 
you know, as long as we're talking about kids, I mean, it seems like, you know, the, um, you said that the failure rate or the, or the graduation rate was really high and, and the, but the, the test scores are low because, uh, yeah. because lack of consequences and lack of, ex, lack of expectations, um, standards, holding people to standards. And a lot of that is uh, a sign of our society and the permissiveness in our society, I believe. Um, and I believe a large part of it uh, stems from the breakdown of the nuclear family. It seems like nowadays you're not expected to have a, a mother and a father in the same household and children that eat around a dinner table and actually spend time together and go out and do things, go play in the woods, go, go, go on picnics, go to the beach um, and spend time actually communicating. It, it, does that, you can almost look at the breakdown of society and connect it to the breakdown of the nuclear family. What do you think? Yeah, that's statistically proven. It's empirically proven. You're, you're absolutely right. You're on point. No equivocation. And, and that is something that we're not supporting. We're not supporting preserve, preserving the family unit. We're not supporting ensuring that we're bringing resources to those impoverished families so that they can keep it together, so that they can hold it together. We have families that say we need to divorce so we can we can make more money off the state. That is a sad state of affairs, right? Mm-hmm. And so when we look at uh, gun violence, the American Psychological Association placed the root cause of gun violence, not on weapons, by the way, for everybody to understand, but on social economic factors that leads to that breakdown of, 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 of conscience and consequence and mental illness. It all correlates back to the breakdown of the American family, that nuclear family. So we need to bring programs to preserve that to ensure that those families have what they need so that they can continue to move forward and find their pathway to the American dream. Our economic system is broken down. It's it's broke. Uh, We pay enough people through our broken welfare system, just enough money to keep them poor for the rest of their lives. And their children see this. And so now we have a lifetime of poverty and now becomes generational poverty. And you can see when people come out of prison, this is something else. I know we're, we're drifting a little bit, but this is important. That's right. People make a mistake. Everybody makes a mistake. Someone goes to jail. No, that's not me. But I've, I know people in my own family who have served time in prison and they come out. Does that mean that they are scarred for life, that they are ruined, that they are damaged goods? No, it does not. Some people find Christ. Some people find Allah, whatever their religion is. People find a new purpose and a new beginning when they come out of jail. So what I say is this. Why don't we bring programs back so we can incentivize these young men and women, give them a pathway to success instead of pushing them back into crime, back on those streets? We need to open up the doors and say, let's give you a certification program, a trades program. Let's do some job placement, give you transitional housing so that you can make it. And what happens for the rest of us who are fiscal conservatives, these people who would ordinarily be system takers, they're system makers. They're now paying taxes. They're paying into the economy and they are participating and the crime goes away because they have a new purpose in life. They find a family and they live that American dream. We should be Mm -hmm. facilitating that. And it starts early with comprehensive state programs that don't enable bad behaviors, but enables good behaviors. Yeah, I saw that, you know, as I was uh, researching for today, I was um, checking out your, your website. And I said, again, I'll, I'll just point out, hey, everybody, go to uh, go to birdforgovernor.com because it's very informative. It's got his background. It's got his his platform is on there. A lot of radio interviews, so much information and some of the other programs that he's involved in as well that I hope to talk about a little bit today, too. Um, but you remind me of Reagan when I was when I was looking through that, I was going, you know, not a handout, but a hand, you know, hand up, you know, not um you know, there needs to be consequences and it's not all going to be free. You know, there's got to be, you got, there's got to be something in return, you know, let, let's try to promote people to, 
you know, feel good about themselves, feel good about what they're doing, give them something to accomplish because that, that in itself feels good. But if you're going to get a higher reward from hanging out in the streets with your, with your brothers or whatever, then that's, you know, that's what you're competing with. Right. And so it's got to be equal to or better than that. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so, you know, we, we said, and you, you alluded to earlier, um, Barack Obama had an opportunity to unite this nation. He had an opportunity to bring real value to those 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 communities that were living at or below the poverty line, um, and, and and so have other presidents in the past. As a governor of Washington State, I'm not going to miss that opportunity. You know, people use race to divide us. I want to use race to unite us because our diversity as a people, as citizens of this great nation, that is what adds to our strength. And when we can lift people up out of poverty, we can lift people up out of out of, out of helplessness and give them hopefulness. We are doing them a service and we are doing our society and our state a service because now we're creating wealth, not just for them, but for the entire state. These are people who are now participating. Crime is going to go down. Gun violence goes down. Economic growth, prosperity is, is, is abundant. There's so much we can do. We just need common sense and elected officials who understand that they serve the people who have a mindset of trans transformational change, who know how to do it, who have the knowledge, skills, and abilities. You know, too often we, we go with the aristocrats, you know, the political aristocracy, um, those who have been deemed worthy by the puppet masters, the, the, the uh, establishment, as they call them. This is time for the people to put forth an elected official who will represent them and represent them across all demographics, all religions, all social classes. We need to come together and we need to recognize what America is all about opportunity liberty freedom and prosperity for all who seek it yeah yeah what, i mean what is it you have you have a saying uh, it's time we become professional americans or something like that um, yeah no it's time to replace career politicians with career americans career and americans my, i've served as a career american and that's that's i mean that's how society i mean it seems like everyone talks they they talk about themselves and each other oh nationality this nationality that there, there's thousands of nationalities there's dozens of, of sexual uh, sexes i guess nowadays and, and rather than you know they're not dozens of you know what we're all americans we have yes. that doesn't mean that our heritage isn't important that doesn't mean that our our, our ancestry is not important but right yeah. but right now where we are living today that the greatest country on earth that we benefit from the most um it, it, we're americans right that's it dan you know and, and there's a simple breakdown and I, I probably am just repeating myself when you go back and you look at our history and our heritage and you see how everybody came here, and yes, there was slavery. Yes, it was sinful. Yes, it was evil. But we rose past that. We rose above that. And we're continuing to grow forward. And that's the thing. When you understand that we were always the nation of immigrants, the nation of underdogs, but because of the essence of America, entrepreneurship, meritocracy, all these elements, that gave an opportunity for anyone, regardless of how you came about regardless of your past there was always an opportunity to grow forward we need to remind people we are better together let's stop allowing these special interests and let me remind your viewers as well there we're getting played by both sides the conservative side the liberal side both it's that establishment that is pitting us against one another democrats are bad or republicans are bad this is nonsense let's go to the people Let's start to put people above politics. And for goodness sakes, let's get back to human decency where we treat people with kindness, respect, and grace. And we learn from one another. That's what I represent. That's what I represent. I claim to be a Republican because I am 
a constitutional Christian conservative. Yes, I believe in the Declaration of Independence, the constitution of this country that elected officials serve those who they govern over. They govern for. That's the way it should work. I believe in the greatness of all people, regardless of their color. And there's nothing wrong with that. And as a Christian, when I say I love a person, regardless of their sexual orientation, I'm not here to judge your lifestyle. I'm here to protect your liberties. There's a difference. We love one another. We bring kindness, we bring grace, and we lift one another up. That's what we need in this country. That is what makes America that beacon on the hill. Yeah, well, servant leadership, you know, that's that's what uh, that's what Christ, you know, talked about. And that's what... Um, that's what is talked about a lot in the Bible, and I'm glad that you brought that up. You know, you, it, it, you talk. I can just tell by the way you talk. Um, I don't know if you if you have that term in your platform or not, but you definitely is. you definitely exude that for sure. Um, Thank you. So let's uh, let's move away from the social issues for just a little bit and talk more about some of the the other things that are that are plaguing our state. Um, you know, Washington we released, recently put in place uh, what amounts to a cap and trade tax. It's led to the highest gas prices now in the country. We've we've surpassed California and Hawaii, and that's amazing. I mean, how can gas be less expensive in Hawaii? They've got to bring it all in, right? And um, and their demand is low. So, but yet somehow we're we're more expensive than that. On July first, we're going to become the first state in the country uh, to put in place a long-term care payroll tax. Um, everybody's going to be getting a pay cut on July first of about uh, uh, six tenths of a percent. Um, and, you know, that's not much in and of itself, but when you pile it on to everything else that's been done in this state for the last 38 years, as far as just piling taxes and taxes and taxes and regulation on everybody, um, which just hurts the economy. Just look at Seattle, man. Seattle is horrible. I grew up in Ballard, man, in Seattle. Uh, I don't even recognize anymore. And, um, and, it, and it's sad. So how do we stop this madness? First of all, I mean, we, we, and as governor of Washington state, what would you do to try to, would you try to roll some of these things back or would you try to, um, you know, spread it out more equally or, or uh, just try to trim some of the fat? I mean, there's so many ways yeah. you could look at it. What's your way of looking at it? I'm going to give you two direct elements, trim the fat and cut it back. Both. That was not intended to rhyme. That's just the way it should be. We have economic prosperity in Washington state. We, we, this governor has doubled spending since he took office. And so now we're up at over $70 billion in, in terms of, uh, in terms of um, how much money our budget, how much money we spend irresponsibly. We need to fix this. So we're going to roll back those taxes. The fact that we're number one right now in the nation for gas tax. And oh, by the way, we're, we're battling for number one in terms of the highest level of carjackings in Washington state. So we're going to roll back this excise tax that this attorney general and governor put forth where the Superior Court said it's an income tax, where the IRS calls it an income tax. And we know under constitutional law, it is in fact an income tax. What did they do? They went ahead and passed it through the Inslee appointed Supreme Court, even though they know it's unconstitutional. So this is a mindset of under, what do I say? Taxation without representation. It reminds you of 1775. This is where we're at as a state. So we're rolling it back. We should be giving tax relief to our citizens, not taxing them to death during a time where our economy is in the toilet. This is yeah. their mindset of this, this this administration. And if you want more of the same, well, then you know how to vote. But if you want something different, if you want more money that you can spend in your family and that you could spend on paying those bills or a future for your family and your children, then vote for Bird for governor. That's the yeah, difference. Yeah. 
and the, the irony is here is you look at these taxes and who do they affect the most? I mean, everyone's paying the gas tax if you drive. Everyone is going to, if you work, you're going to be paying this new payroll tax. And so people who are making, you know, five, six, seven, eight hundred thousand dollars a year, um, it's not going to affect them at all. Uh, really, no. the people it hurts the most are the lower income and the middle class where we're already taking a huge hit with national inflation and grocery prices and all of that. And Inslee just doesn't seem to care. And Ferguson, I think, I, I think he'll be worse. Oh, no, you know it. And everybody else knows it as well. And this is not to 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 vilify Bob Ferguson, but we know where Bob Ferguson is. We know who's been behind much of this, most of this. You know, the architect of Home Bill or House Bill 1333 to create a violent extremism commission so we can target churches or any other group who believe or think different than the establishment. This is what they were bringing. This is what they bring. And so when it comes back to our economy, my friend, we just need elected officials who understand that they represent the people, all of the people. And we need elected officials to represent those people in those communities who are poor, who are below the poverty line. They keep overtaxing us. You know what? Poor people, like you said, they have to go to work if they're trying to make a living and they are highly affected by how much we pay and, and gases mm -hmm. and getting fuel where we should be energy independent in Washington state based on, based on hydroelectricity, based on nuclear. We could do better. We should be doing better, but it's a lack of leadership. It's a lack of knowledge, skills and abilities within our elected officials. Look who we're electing. Again, establishment, political establishment, people who are connected, people who have money, people who have been deemed qualified for the job, but yet they have no skills and abilities to do the job. We can do better. We must do better. 2024, we have to go all in. We need people oh, yeah. to turn out and vote. Yeah. I mean, and I look at you, you talk about energy and, I, and that's on, uh, you know, if someone wants to check that out in detail, make sure to go to go to the birdforgovernor.com website because it's one of the five points in his solutions uh, in his solution section. Um, because you're right, we should be energy independent. I mean, we have we used to have a ton of nuclear energy here. Of course, we started shutting it down. They want to start taking down dams now, and somehow we're all going to live off of solar and wind in the Pacific Northwest. I'm not sure how that works. But, um, you know, we had quite the legislative session this year, right, if you're a socialist. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> one, of the, one of the more controversial bills is, is, was SB 5599. Um, basically, you know, for those that, that don't know that are, that are watching, it, it basically makes it legal for a shelter uh, that has state funding or not. But uh, either way, to, for your child, you know, if they decide, um, you know what, I want to be called a girl even though I'm a boy and the parent says no, well, the child can run away, go to the shelter and become a protected class. And the, the shelter and the state doesn't even have to notify the parent where they are. So you've got someone who has run away from home, a kid, the parent's scared to death, they're concerned, they're worried, uh, and they're not required to even tell you where they are or if they're safe. And I don't see how you can equate not agreeing with uh, so-called gender-affirming care for a minor to child abuse, but yet that's what they've done. Yeah, no, that, that's, if we look at what's happening socially, this is the greatest psychological operation that's ever taken place in the history of mankind. We get to a certain point in our society where we take away parents' rights, where, where, where we compromise the innocence of our children. To, to unpack this for, for your viewers, again, imagine your child, a middle schooler, a grade schooler, goes to school one day and that child does not come home and you do not know. And no matter who you call, they do not have to tell you where their child is. And you're sitting at home worried. You need to understand 
This is a child who come from a family who loves them, but that child is confused. That child is, is unsure. That child has been indoctrinated, indoctrinated by their environment and their school system or society as we see in media and news now. And so that confusion can lead to them saying, I wanna be a different gender and there's no age limit. They can change their sex. They can't get a tattoo. They can't vote, they can't serve their nation, they can't buy cigarettes or alcohol, but you know what? They can change their sex and we don't tell parents. A young child, a young girl who made a mistake, got pregnant, not telling the folks, the parents, because they're a little afraid, so they tell a counselor. All of a sudden that child disappears, that child goes into state care, that child is given an abortion, and the parents know nothing about it until after the fact. And so they'll say, oh no, we're only not notifying parents if the children come from what they would say abuse, right? Um, well, no, now they're defining abuse if that child is upset with mom or dad because mom and dad don't understand that that child should be a girl or should be a boy. That, that That's abuse because you're not hearing me, you're not supporting me, that's abuse and it's compromising my mental health. And so now the state says, that's enough. Don't tell the parents, take the child, let that child do whatever that child wants. That, that yeah. this is crazy. And this is what's been happening for years in our legislation. And this governor continues to approve, 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 signing these laws, which takes away the rights of citizens, violates our constitution and compromises the nuclear family as we were talking about earlier. This is insane. We need to knock it off. We need to get back to human decency, common sense and respect parents' rights. We are not racist. We are not, homophobes. We're not against someone who is LGBT. You can be who you want to be. This is America. This is the beauty of the nation. And as your governor, I will not discriminate against a gay person because I know what discrimination is about. I will love you and support you the way you are, but let children be children and let parents parent for goodness sake. Yeah, definitely. I mean, and you, you, you brought up, uh, you know, it's kind of become its own little industry, and a lot of it starts with the school counselor. The school counselor refers them to uh, perhaps somebody outside, maybe Planned Parenthood or another outside counselor, and then that counselor refers them to a shelter, and then the shelter takes control of the child, and the parent is like, what happened? Where's my Where's my kid? And, um, it's it, California's trying to pass something similar. I think Oregon is too, right? Well, here's what's going to happen next. Just so that you guys can say, oh, boy, stimulus be Nostradamus. Here's what's going to happen next. Like they're, do, they're trying to do in California. If parents, if parents do not gender affirm their children, parents will now lose their children. They will lose their parental rights. That's being proposed in California right now. And it's being talked about throughout the nation. So if my child, and imagine your child. I have, I have three beautiful daughters, right? And, and that's God's blessing to me and my wife our children, but children mm -hmm. don't know what they need to know until their their minds have developed. I'm a behavioral scientist, for goodness sakes. Your neurosynapsis does not f finish completing until 18 to 23 years of age, but yet you're giving them a choice to change themselves at a young age where we don't trust them to, to even get a tattoo, and then you're going to take yeah. them away from their parents. This is a line that we cannot compromise. This is that red line in the sand that we must draw and we must stand a line to protect our families and to protect our children. And I will tell you this, all communities, all demographics are coming together on this one. Yes. Our Muslim brothers and sisters are coming together. Our, our Jewish brothers and sisters, our Christian brothers and sisters, families of all demographics are standing up, standing together and saying, no, stop. 
you yeah. will not take away from your child. Yeah, I mean, how confusing for a child? I mean, growing up is confusing enough as it is. And now, and you need a safe place. You need a safe harbor. You need some place where you're anchored and rooted. That's one of the reasons why kids are so rebellious sometimes, because you're safe. They know they can as a parent that you're not going to, you're not going to all of a sudden hate them or discard them um, because you're committed to them unconditionally. And so you, but when you take away that safe harbor and all of a sudden, oh, well, you know, maybe the state, you know, can give me what I want, what I think I want, um, and, and now you've taken away kind of that, uh, you know, that home that, that, you know, that your grandmother, you've taken away that influence, that foundation that man, kids, kids need that. I, yeah. I don't oh, even yes. know how you get it. I mean, Dan, it's, it's operant conditioning and BF Skinner's theory, operant conditioning. What was a child, if a child does something wrong, you reprimand that child. That that's, that's, that's negative reinforcement. You take something away. And then they're least likely to do it again. But when a child does something wrong or anybody does something wrong at all ages and they're punished for it, again, they're not going to do it. But if they do something right and you reward them for it, they're more likely to do it. We are rewarding bad behavior. And I'm not saying being gay or anything else is a bad behavior. I am not. I would not. That's not how I roll. I'm I'm very, very clear on that. If you're gay, I love you. It does not matter to me. You're my brother. You're my sister. What I'm saying is protecting the innocence of children until children are of an age where they know what's best for them. But until then, by law, they are under their parents' supervision. By law, parents are responsible for those children. But now by this law, parents are responsible for everything else, except now the state can take that child away, give that child an abortion or a sex change, and then give the child back to the parent and say, nope, you're back responsible again. This does not make sense. Yeah. And so again, this is why we need to stand up. Folks, it's not gonna get any better. It's only gonna get worse, not just for that for taxes, for the economy, for crime, for homelessness. It's spiraling down faster and faster every day, every week, every month, and every year. 2024 is key. We have to take back our state, and there's nowhere you can run. I promise you this. You say Idaho, they're coming. It's moving this oh, way. Yeah. That progressive Marxist wave, it's moving from the, east, from, the, from the west to the east, and it's moving fast. Yeah, I mean, Idaho, there's, there's areas there that are becoming, um, well, <laughs> yeah, not, not not a lot different than here. Uh, shifting gears a little bit, one of the other things that they passed, and you might have something to say about this, is a ban on those scary-looking um, rifles that have become known as uh, assault rifles, as if they can uh, go attack people on their own. Um, I have strong feelings about this. I'm a constitutionalist myself. I believe it's uh, it's an absolute document. I don't think it's a liv- living document. Um and I think that we have the right to these weapons and, and even more. But the fact that they're getting taken away, to me, it just seems like another step towards full confiscation, which I'm sure they'd love to have. Um, but what are your thoughts on this This whole uh, – they tried for years, man. They've been trying for years to, to ban assault weapons in Washington State. Yeah. They so finally this, so this got it. We're talking about. And then and for Washington State, Article 1, Section 24 – we actually have more constitutional rights in Washington, D.C., and Washington State, excuse me, regarding um, our, our right to protect ourselves and to protect our families, our property. Our, our gun laws are supposed to align to our Constitution. There it is. Article 1, Section 24. They okay. stepped in this Constitution um, uh, section, again, like they've done it on others, income tax, etc. And so, no, we need to repeal that back. I've already said earlier, the American Psychological Association has done an in-depth empirical study. 
Guns don't kill people, people kill people, and people kill people for a reason. It starts with social economic issues, factors, goes into mental health issues and factors, and then you have the causation, and then you have the effect, which is someone dying at because of a gun. People are gonna find another way to kill people. When you take weapons away, when you take guns away from law-abiding citizens, you compromise their safety. Criminals do not have a problem finding guns illegally. They're criminals. They're plentiful out there. We know that. They can go anywhere and get them and bring it back. Look at Chicago, one of the most deadliest yeah. cities in this nation. They have some of the hardest, most strict gun laws in the nation. And every day people are being murdered with guns. So it doesn't work. Not in America. It doesn't work. It's wrong. We need to adhere to the Constitution. And we need to work on those social economic causal factors. It goes back to our plan. I'm a strategist, right? I see the forest for the trees. I don't think the next move, I think 10 moves down the road and I'm looking at left and I'm looking at right to make sure that we're understanding exactly what the dangers are of the decisions that we make today. They're making some very dangerous decisions. We are already off the charts. 95% increase in murder since the last study. 73% increase in property crime since the last study. A 51% increase in rape. And like I said, we are now number three in the nation for car theft, carjacking. That is what this administration is yeah. proud of. And you take our weapons away, so we can't defend ourselves, and you call it an assault weapon. An AR is Armalite. That's what it yeah. comes from. That was the original configuration. AR does not stand for assault rifle. And people don't even know that. And the people that are making these laws don't even understand the consequences of their actions. No, I mean, there's and there's there's plenty of rifles out there, too, that could do, uh, you know, can be served or used in the same way. It's it's the person that's using it, you know, right. right. Um, and and oh, oh, well, they just got to get a little more training and, and go to go to the range a little more often. They could just use a pistol. It, it doesn't it, it doesn't make any sense. Um, yes. So but when you have activist judges taking their marching orders from Ferguson, this is kind of what you get. I can say that because I'm not running for office. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> no, I'll say it. I'll, I'll say it, and I'll, and I'll be very honest with people. I, I'm not I'm not against Bob because he's got a bad personality, or I don't know him. So I would never say anything bad about him, about him, about his person or persona. I don't know any better, and I, don't, I choose to love people, not hate people. And so what I'm talking about with our administration, Jay Inslee and Bob Ferguson, specifically those two, they are hurting our state. They are killing people with their policies, their non-pursuit policy. I saw two children die from an auto accident in eastern Washington not too long ago because of the non-pursuit policy when state patrol had and was right behind and had to break off pursuit because it's broken law. And that car went down the highway and hit a family's van head on, killing two little children. People are dying. People died because of their muzzling and their vaccinations, their mandates, which was an overstretch and an overreach and violated Article 1, Section 1 of the Washington State Constitution. No, accountability must be brought forth. Transparency is a right of those who are the governed. This administration is responsible for the death of hundreds. And you want to look at homelessness, which is yeah. not based on affordable housing. It's drug addiction, it's mental illness, it's alcohol addiction. We should be plussing up our mental health infrastructure, not tearing it down. And compassion, 
Compassion is not giving needles to a junkie or crack pipes to someone who's addicted to crack so they can continue to die slowly in the streets. Compassion is giving them life, giving their lives back, getting them off the streets, giving them a place where they can come clean, where they can get a trade, they can get a certification, they can get a job and they can get their future and their lives back and we can bring their family back. I have a plan for all of this. I'm bringing yeah. forth solutions with actions to save this state. Yeah, I can't imagine uh, being being a cop um, and, and having rules of engagement such that you're not even allowed to enforce the job or, or enforce the laws and do your job. It's it's what do you let's look at that in particular. So cops, man, we have a major shortage of cops. A lot of people don't want to go into that profession anymore. And a lot of the good ones have been chased out. Um, they've been and they won't hire them back if, because maybe some of them got fired. because They wouldn't take the vaccine or, or they took early retirement or whatever. And now they won't even take them back, but they'll hire a brand new person who's not vaccinated. This makes no sense to me. No, it makes absolutely no sense. And so you compromise the safety of our law enforcement professionals when, when you have laws like this, when you roll back or you inhibit their, 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 their right to defend themselves. Here's something else citizens need to be aware of. When you skill, scare your law enforcement community into, how should I put this? When you make them think that anything that they do wrong they're guilty until proven innocent, you're going to have a causal factor that's going to say, I can't do this. I can't go into that house, even though I hear screams, because if I kick in that door and they're just upset about something and they say, no, it's no problem here, then I can get sued and I have a family and I'm trying. So there's a huge causal factor that we're not even talking about. We are not only hurting them in terms of compromising their safety, we are compromising their effectiveness in the streets. We are compromising the lives of citizens. There's two ways to become law enforcement officers in Washington State, in any state for that matter. A, you go through the police academy. And we don't have enough. We don't have enough in the pipeline. People talk nope. about having more black and brown officers. Well, do we have programs that are going into the inner city, those black and brown communities, and recruiting them, incentivizing them, motivating them early on so that we now create a pipeline? We don't. I will. Are, are we going in to, to different states with commercials to recruit for lateral transfer? That's the other way, way you become yeah. a police officer. Lateral transfer, incentivizing, giving bonuses. How about retention? So, no, there's so much that, 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 that is at, at stake here. And there's so many people in elected government who do not know how to address this. I do. Knowledge matters. We're going to bring forth solutions that are going to plus up our law enforcement officials. We're going to resource them and we're going to bring forth community policing partnerships with our communities. Police officers coming out of those communities because in their freshman year of high school, yeah. they're on a pathway to the academy and they're getting credits, high school credits for doing right seed rides with law enforcement. They're getting credits for doing apprenticeship programs with law enforcement. And so when they graduate, they have a pipeline to law enforcement and a clean record so that we can actually recruit them. We are bringing forth programs to actually fill the gaps, plus up our law enforcement. And let me say this for anybody that's out there. If you were fired and terminated, not just for, for uh, emergency services, any job in Washington state, I will rehire you back and you will be compensated for your lost wages. Again, if you were fired because you refused to put that vaccination into your body because you recognized your constitutional right, you will get your job back and you will get compensated for lost wages because that is the right thing to do. We need you back. We want you back. This is your state. Come home. Yeah, absolutely. Like you said, and all state workers, I mean, the ferry system is suffering too. And, you know, you don't, merchant mariners aren't easy to come by and there's lots of jobs out there. I was in that uh, profession for many years myself. And um, it, it's just, 
I think I, I read somewhere recently, uh, Seattle has like 800 cops on their, on their payroll and that's to cover all shifts. And oh, I'm yeah. thinking a city of that size, how is that? It's, it's a wonder that it's not, you know, escape from New York status or road warrior phase right now. <laughs> Brother, you, you say, I say that I use that analogy so often and I hope people understand it. Right. Because I mean, we're going to, I mean, you could say Sodom and Gomorrah. We're at dangerous times and you can see it. People are seeing this with their own eyes, what's going on. And again, I try to tell people, put people over politics. This isn't Republican or Democrat or independent. No. This, this, is, this is a citizen's concern. Let's get back to being citizens. Forget this party nonsense. Let's get back to citizens and getting in there and fixing this and protecting our citizens, supporting our law enforcement, creating prosperity and growth, economic opportunity for everyone. We can do this. These aren't just at, you know, inspirational or aspirational promises, we can actually do this if we bring forth elected officials with the knowledge, skills, and abilities to actually make it happen. I will make it happen. There is no doubt about that. And so we're going to fix what's broken in Washington State. We're going to bring unity back to Washington State. And I want to work with everyone. So this isn't, again, the scary Republican. They tried to call me ultra MAGA the other day. You know, and, and I literally said, what is, what is so scary about me that 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 black American that started off in life without civil rights, that now has lived the American dream, that loves and respects people, that wants to bring forth solutions to create that same value, to create a pathway to the American dream. What is so scary to the establishment that they would not support me? Because they're not. There is not one state representative, not one senator that has gone out on the record to support me. But that's okay. Because I understand how the establishment works, but we're getting city council men and women, school board directors, yes. everyday business owners. They are rallying. They're supporting me. And we have collected more small dollar donations than any campaign running against the Democrats combined. And that's running against the establishment candidate. We are that's still great. doubling what they're bringing in. That's why we need the support of everyday citizens. Birdforgovernor.com. Birdforgovernor.com. Yes. Please donate. We need you. We need to win this thing. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think people, I put it out on my site yesterday, you know, uh, political campaigns don't run on wind and solar, um, yeah. you know, yeah. they, they run on U.S. dollars. And so, right. um, you know, if you if you if you can't uh, donate your time, uh, if you don't have the time to go, you know, run for office yourself, for instance, at a school board or whatever, um, then then, you know, give financially five bucks helps, uh, 10 bucks yes. help. It all adds up. Um, yes. You've got an organization I saw on your website that um it's kind of tied in with your campaign and that's uh, youth ambassadors for change. We talked a lot about kids during this show. Uh, and I saw a couple of young, young people there that are your um, kind of your, your beacons or your, your leaders of that, of that yeah. movement. And tell me a little bit about that. Tell us what does it mean and what are they doing to, uh, to spread that word and to attract young people into the, into the, you know, kind of a common sense approach to, to what you're doing. Yeah. So, I mean, you, you called it out. We, we go to where, we need to go to, to inspire and motivate people to participate in their governance. This is self-governance, right? This, this, is, this is Jefferson speaking. And so we're bringing that common sense approach back to say that young people matter. They are our future. They are brilliant, they are bright, and they bring forth ideas that we can all benefit from. And so no, we founded our flock. It's called the flock. It's our youth organization where young people are ambassadors. We have youth ambassadors in every single county in the state. Young people weren't voting. People don't even know that you can, a 17 year old can vote in the primary as long as they're going to be 18 before the general. 
we are making sure the word gets out. So we're motivating our young people. And here's the other thing, Dan, we are going into the inner city. We are working with black, brown, all races, all religions. We're getting into the churches where Christians, like 900,000 Christians didn't vote last year, right? Yeah. I mean, what, what's going on? We need to get out there. We need to do outreach. We need to inspire people to get involved and bring forth solutions so that we together can save Washington State. It starts with our youth and it goes to all demographics. So we're yeah. doing what other parties have failed to do, especially the Republican Party. The Republican Party has not been going out there in those black and brown communities. I'm the first one to tell you that. And I'm not going to place blame. I'm going to do better. We are Good. doing better. We were the first Republican candidate to ever be invited to one of the original Juneteenth events in Washington State. Juneteenth, an American holiday where we celebrate the end of slavery in this country. That is something everybody should be celebrating. Black, brown, white, it does not matter. That is a great celebration for a great reason our history. So we're breaking we're breaking down those barriers, brother. We're, we're, we're bringing people together and we're not doing it by labeling one another. You can call me an ultra magger or whatever. You can say what you're going to say because they're going to say it. They're <laughs> going to do it. And they're going to keep coming after me until the election, yeah. until we win. But we're going to keep a smile. We're going to pray for people. But all the while we're uniting people, we are bringing people together where no leader in the state has ever been successful at doing no, and that's that's what we need to do. I mean, you can't. I mean, it's like you you, you touched on something. I mean, that you know, the, the Democratic Party. You know, you can say what you want about them, and we can disagree with them on policy issues. But you know what? They have got their ground game together. They have a well-oiled machine, and yeah. it is it is firing on all cylinders. And until we learn to play that same game up to the legal limit, of course. Yes. Um, and that that includes. I mean, you know, getting ballot boxes out there, going. Uh, into places that you don't normally go, taking the ballot to the people instead of expecting them to just come to the to the booth on on voting day. Um, it, all these things that the Democrats have, have turned into a, uh, I mean, they don't even think about it anymore. They just automatically do it. And um, yeah. we've you know, got one it. Of the things, you know, Dan, sorry to step in your words. But one That's of the all good. Your show for me is that yeah. we perpetuated this narrative. Well, they're going to steal it. They're going to steal it. Stolen election, stolen election, stolen criminal theft. Does all this other stuff. But what are we actually doing? What are we doing to fix it? Instead of, oh, pointing fingers and calling out the Democrats yeah. for being this and being that. How about you get off your bottom, get from behind your computer screen, get out there, vote, inspire someone else to vote, go volunteer to be a poll watcher. There's so much we can do. We know what's yeah. happening within our state. Instead of pointing fingers and being victims, we're doing something about it. So what you spoke to, we have a comprehensive ballot collection program that we are rolling out. We are partnering nice. with a national organization to ensure that we are first in line, getting out there and engaging with citizens. And I want to be clear to people, this is not to control or to take advantage or to exploit them. This is to go out there and introduce ourselves, give them the respect of knowing who we are, what we're about, and what we're going to do to protect their future, and then asking them for their vote and making it more convenient for them to vote those senior living spaces, they matter. These are our greatest citizens who have come through life and given to our society and to our state. Why are we not going into those senior living homes? I will be, I will be. Yep, that, that's great, man. That is, that is super, that makes me feel good, man. I, I'm disheartened, man. I was, uh, I worked on the uh, Cole campaign some, I was I was on board with him, I was with him, uh, and, and it just, you know, it didn't pan out. Um, it's it's tough being a, a Republican in the state and wanting to 
uh, change direction. Um, you know, I said in the intro that it's been uh, 1985 was when the last Republican governor left office in this state. So 38 years. Um, and, and so I guess the question I would have is, is you know, the legislature is is also dominated by um, really woke leftist Democrats. The ideology in, in the Washington State Congress right now is, you know, it is what it is. Um, I'd say even many of the, the Republicans in Congress right now are pretty left-leaning or um, yeah. they, they just kind of go along but because they, they can't win. I mean, there's yeah. basically whatever the, the governor wants to do is, is what the legislature does. You As governor, you're going to have to work with these people. All right. Yep. You're going to have to you, you can put out an agenda and, 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 and try to get ideas and thoughts out there. But in the end, it's the legislature that makes laws. And so yep. how, how are you going to how are you going to work with these people and, and try to bridge that gap and find something that um, that's good for the people of this state that they can get on board with along with you? Yeah. So, you know, again, knowledge, skills and abilities. I'm a nationally certified trained mediator. Right. So I've been doing mediation for years. That's what I do in my business. I bring people together. I bring groups together. I, I, I seek and, and facilitate um, consensus on some of the most difficult issues. And so the concept, the framework, that's not strange to me. That That is what I've been doing for years. So that's just one element, bringing the experience to make it happen, but how to make it happen. They need to understand that I am a people's governor. I, the Constitution is my foundation. I will not violate the Constitution regardless of what they think is right or wrong, I will not violate our state or U.S. Constitution, first and foremost. So they need to understand how I work, and I will meet with them individual. I will partner with them the best I can in fellowship, but I'm also going to be transparent with their constituents as well. If you're Representative John Doe or Jane Doe, and you're bringing forth policy that is dangerous to all communities, I will make sure people know it. We need more televised debate. I want it televised where we bring people together and the citizens get to see Democrats, Republicans, independents, but senators and representatives debate and discuss these controversial issues so that everybody in the state sees exactly what's going on. This is why transparency is so important because these individuals have been operating in the shadows and pushing forth legislation that this attorney general and this governor has been just stamping out of control. And the citizens of Washington state have no idea what a 5599 is, no idea. They don't have any idea that they've lost their gun rights. They have no idea because they're not involved. They're out there every day as career Americans trying to make a living, trying to provide for their children. So we're gonna bring transparency. We're gonna bring collaboration. I have the tools to make it happen. And here's the, here's the biggie. If you, do want, if you do not want to cooperate, if you do not want to work with me, there's a big stamp that says veto. Not really. But again, I will not allow any law, any bill to pass my desk if people refuse to work with one another. We need leadership to unite us. That's what leaders do. Leaders don't divide. Leaders unite. So whether you're a Republican or a Democrat, it doesn't matter. As the chief executive officer of Washington State, I will forge consensus. I will bring coalitions together. We will unite and we will make good things happen for our state. Here's one last thing I will say on this, unless you have more questions on this, but you know we've seen it with our, our state representatives and senators and our, our, our federal ones as well, where they'll go out and they'll play ball together and they'll have fun or they'll go for a beer or a glass of wine yeah. or soda together, right? And they'll get along with one another. But then when they get on that floor, all of a sudden they act like enemies. It doesn't make sense. If you know that that person is a good person that you're engaging with, 
treat them with kindness and respect and help them to understand. Socrates called this Socratic method of dialectic engagement, where we come together with different ideas and we work together and we learn from one another. And between the different ideas, the diversity, we will usually bring forth something better together yes. than alone. So as a leader who knows this, as a servant leader, as a professional leader, someone who's written leadership theory, someone who's taught leaders, consulted leaders for decades, I am going to bring that leadership to unite our people's house and to bring forth policies and laws that are going to enrich our citizens, not hurt them to the point of death. We're changing the state around. Yeah, man, that sounds that's good stuff, man. I love it. Um, you're so I got I got another question here, and then we'll kind of start to wrap up. I do want to talk with you about a meritocracy a little bit, um, yes. but but first I have something that um, my uh, you, you know like like a lot of men, um, you know, if you're successful and you've got stuff going on, it's usually there's a good woman behind you. Uh, I'm fortunate enough to have one of those, and she's always giving me little you know she's my little bird in my ear, right? Yes. Um, yes. And so a lot of people think I come up with some of the things I say. You know, oftentimes it's my wife. I admit it. So. Um, on day one, all right, you're governor of the state of Washington. And um, Inslee has put in a lot of executive orders. I, I, I don't keep track of all that stuff. It's really not. I, I do to some extent on the major ones, but I'm sure there's a ton of them that are sitting there that are just just waiting for someone to come in and lift them up and drop them in the shredder. Do you have any uh, plans for that? Yes. Um, transparency. So we, we talk about the overtaxation. We, we talk about the, the thumb or the boot on the neck of our citizens. It all comes off, it all goes away. Anything that is creating harm, economic harm to, to individual prosperity, we're lifting that. So we're gonna be rolling back. If we need to repeal, we're gonna repeal. I'm gonna support pulling back everything that harms our citizens. We're Again, this is a completely different mindset. It's almost like going from a foreign country's government back to a constitutional republic. That, that's really what it's coming back to, where power is inherent in the people. Again, Article 1, Section 1. And governments derive their just powers from the consent of the governed. And it is government's job to maintain and to protect the individual rights of citizens. That's what we're bringing back. That's what I'm going to bring back in my administration. I also want to say on day one, speaking of, we're going to call, I will call for a third-party audit of all state programs and all state offices. So we have a clear, empirical, comprehensive, and quantitative and qualitative understanding of how all of our programs are working, how much money are we spending, are we getting is uh, the bang for the buck, is the juice worth the squeeze, all of the above, because that's what I do as a consultant. I go in and I assess the damage, and then I bring forward solutions to make sure those programs are working as effectively and as efficiently as they need to. I want everyone who's on this administration um, that, that is career to work with me. If you're exempt, I want you to work with me. Don't fear me coming in and firing you. But if you're not willing to create value for your citizens that you serve, if you're not willing to acknowledge and uphold the Constitution of the United States and Washington State, then you won't have a position in my administration. I need people who respect the rule of law. I need people who understand the power, the force, and the importance of the Washington State and the U.S. Constitution. So I want you in the administration, but we're not playing games. We're giving government back to the people as soon as we get elected. Day one, I'm going to be calling for term limits. That's down the road, not too far down the road. I'm going to give it a couple of weeks, but uh, we're going to be busy. We're going to be busy. And I'm yeah. glad you brought up your lovely bride because um, you probably saw my face brighten up when you mentioned uh, our wives. 
my wife, Anne, um, she is my everything. Um, when I came back from Iraq, again, Purple Heart, they don't give it to you, forget your feelings hurt in the barracks. Yeah. Um, God's kept me alive through so much. And my life um, is by the grace of. And so my wife, uh, she's amazing. My daughters are amazing. They, they, they help shape me into who I am as my mother did. And uh, she, is, she is everything to me. And so, folks, I, I never wanted to get out there and be in public service. I really didn't. I, I, felt, I fought and bled for my country. I served in federal government. I, I, you know, I, I did my duty, right? But we're in such a serious state of yeah. disrepair that someone has to step up. And it can't be the same old establishment, selected, chosen ones, the elitists, the people with money. You know, when I was um, first exploring this, I asked someone, you know, what do they think about the concept? And they said, oh, no, we have a great candidate running for governor. And I said, well, what's so great about this candidate? They said, well, he's rich and he can pay for his own campaign. And that was the nexus of this great governor representing the Republican side and the Democrats do the same thing. That's why I yeah. say we're getting played by both sides of the aisle and we need career Americans to come up, support, love and value all citizens, regardless of the color of their skin, their religion or their social status. We need people to come in, unite and bring solutions with actions to save our state. Absolutely. Absolutely, man. I know, I know you've got a busy schedule and you're, you, you do have to get going here pretty quickly. Um, but uh, I did want to touch a little bit on an organization that, uh, I mean, I assume it's dear to you since you founded it, not uh, the Ameritocracy, uh, I'm saying that right, uh, yes. initi initiative. And, yeah. um, and that can be, there's a link to that on your, on your uh, website as well. But if you want to go directly there, it's on the bottom of your screen, ameritocracynow.com. Yeah. Um, people are going, what, what is that? What is it? Yeah. So I, I love this. And, and this is something I'm very proud of, um, more so than anything, almost. It's, you know, we understand the concept of meritocracy, where the concept mm -hmm. is in America with our liberties, our freedoms and opportunities, that regardless of your, your the color of your skin, uh, your race or religion, there's nothing that you cannot accomplish if you put your mind to it. If you're willing to, to, to pull yourself up from the bootstraps, get out there and engage, there's nothing you cannot do. But I do also think there's things that we can do as a system to help facilitate, to break down those barriers. You know, they used to call it breaking that glass ceiling for, for women's rights. And that's a whole nother discussion with what's going on now. Mm -hmm. But I'm bringing forth real solutions that build upon what Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. started out. He was my, you know, my mom was my, my role model and my child idol. MLK was also my child idol. You know, if I could have said I had a father because I didn't have a father growing up in my household, it would have been someone like MLK, you know, that great man. But it's bringing forth the concept that we are lifting one another up. Instead of bringing that helplessness and despair, we're bringing hopefulness through prayer and hard work. And so we wanna bring programs, educational opportunity and disparate communities, uh, communities that are disparately impacted by system. And when I see system, people say systemic racism. I'm not saying that. It's broken systems that what there's, whether there's an intent or not an intent, let's acknowledge that, as I said earlier, when a person comes out of prison, are we gonna, push them back into crime, push them back on the streets where they keep offending, or we're we going to give them a light at the end of the tunnel that they can follow to the American dream. Well, a meritocracy does that. Anybody and everyone, regardless of your social economic platform, you can see that end of the light, that, that light at the end of the tunnel. We're going to bring quality education. We're going to bring mentoring, coaching into inner city communities that don't see it. 
people are a product of their environment. So our policies as governor, I want to clean up those streets. I want to revitalize those communities. And when we revitalize those communities, those inner city communities, we're impoverished um, or are trying to survive. We're not moving them out. We're not building fancy condos and kicking them out in the streets. We're revitalizing those communities so that those folks are growing up in a community that they can be proud of. Crime will go down. Violence will go down. Education will go up. Economic growth and prosperity will be shared with all because we're bringing forth opportunity directly to them. Programs that facilitate growth, programs that facilitate the American dream. And again, this is the fear of the establishment. When we come together and we unite as a nation and as citizens, there's nothing we cannot accomplish. And for those people living in the black and brown communities, I'm telling you, we know what's going on. We know what is needed. We're going to yeah. bring those resources. And by the way, also, poverty is not racist. There are more than enough poor white folks out there. Yeah. Poverty is not racist. Addiction, mental illness is not racist. All citizens matter. All citizens' lives matter. I'm going to make sure we're bringing forth programs to lift people up and not hold them down. Yeah, um, you know, I'm on the website right now on the Meritocracy Initiative, um, and it says uh, uh, the belief that a person's ability to achieve the American dream is not determined by how they look, but by what they choose to do. And our job, your job as leaders, to give them those choices, they they so that they have options. It seems like so many youths just don't understand that they have options they're and, and adults too you don't you're not yeah. stuck where you're at there are options here are some options and so yeah. create opportunities and choices for them to make that might uh, result in in better outcomes right yes dan you said it so beautifully you said it beautifully we are bringing forth we're going to educate people so that they understand you know i was telling someone the other day and and and, and rightfully so this was in a, in a group setting and they said you know Sammy, i'm you know me i'm not a racist but why are we going to spend, why are you proposing to spend money to go into black and brown communities to bring forth a program for mentoring? And I said, well, I know you're not a racist, but you just don't know what you don't know. And those black and brown communities in the inner city where I started my life and grew up poor, right? We don't have doctors and lawyers and engineers in the corner, right? We don't have them in our lives. We don't have them inspiring us and, and mentoring us and guiding us to, the, to those careers because we only know what we see within our environment. Remember, people are a product mm -hmm. of their environment. It is my job, as I believe, as governor, to change those environments to one. So we create mindsets of success. And you said it beautifully. We're going to give them a pathway to the American dream by educating them, by bringing forth those opportunities. And by the way, again, when you let the person out of poverty and instead of them going into the system on welfare or into the system um, in, in jail, incarceration, where they're now paying taxes because they have a great job and the future because they see that they can make and earn and continue to grow forward. This is what mm -hmm. it's all about. This is what America is all about. We're bringing that to Washington state. Yeah, man, that, that's great, man. I love what I'm hearing. Um, as we, we wrap this up here, uh, I got to mention uh, that, uh, and then we'll talk about some of your other events too, but uh, this Saturday, uh, July 1st, we have uh, Matt Gates coming into town in Washington state in support of uh, your friend, Joe Kent. Um, and uh, it's my understanding that you're going to be in attendance with a table in support of your fellow uh, Green Beret there, right? Yes, that's exactly. And um, I'm going to be the MC, so I'll see you there. I look forward to meeting you in person. Um, and uh, so, you do you and Joe go back a ways, or are you just kind of reconnected since you're both involved in politics in, in Washington State, or what on that? Yeah, it's it's a reconnection, and we we know we we know one another through 
dear friends. So, you know, my former command sergeant major, um, who's, who is my brother. I mean, you, when you serve in a special forces team, you become brothers and you're in the community, you know, we're all brothers. Right. And so, um, yeah, my brother, Steve, um, linked me up with Joe. And as I got to know Joe, um, just a good man and, and his background, people don't even realize the intelligence this man has. Oh yeah. He's a sharp cat. He is a very sharp cat. And I will tell you this is hard. You know, people say, well, he's, you know, a strong Republican. He's far right. He says, I, I, I will tell you his mindset. And again, if you don't know a person, you don't know a person. Joe will bring value um, and, and equity to, to everybody. That's how that's where his heart is. Um, he's just a strong person. He is strong and his beliefs and his convictions. But that strength is going to trans transfer to those citizens who he's going to be serving when he gets elected uh, to Congress in the third. And so, yeah, no, Joe is a friend of mine. I'm proud of that. People will say, well, Joe is this and he's so far right. And it's like, you don't know the man, right? And so yeah. you get to see what you see. But what I know and who I know, I support him. Um, I appreciate him. And, and he's going to serve us very well uh, in the third. And uh, yeah. I'm just honored and thankful that Joe invited us uh, to the table. And I'm looking forward to seeing you and, and yeah. being with you that night and uh, seeing a, a bunch of uh, folks from all over coming together and hearing um, the value that Joe's going to bring. And, and again, yeah. I want people to understand, Dan, we have to get away from partisan politics. We have to. We have to. And, and I have never voted for a Democrat, but it's not because I didn't want to. And this seems strange to say publicly, but I'm just telling you the truth. I never have because I've always felt somehow being raised the way I was by by a Democrat mom that somehow I should have been. And I always looked mm -hmm. for policies, for, for their platforms, what would enrich um, certain groups of citizens that were forgotten. And I never saw it. All I saw was the exploitation of people who were poor and impoverished to get their votes. I never saw the actions taken. And then when I look back in history, I chose not to be a part of a party that supported slavery, facilitated slavery, the KKK yeah. segregation. I chose to be a part of a par party that supported abolishment of slavery, that sin, that evil, that supported like real, real history, real history that supported civil rights. And, and, and that's what I represent as a Republican. But if I have a Democrat that came to me and say, Simi, I'd like to be in your cabinet. I would say, come on over, brothers, come on over, sister. Let's talk. Let's do it. That's how I am. I don't care what your party is. I don't care what your religion or, or your, your ideologies are. I care that you care, that you yeah. want to do something to lift our citizens up, to make our streets safe, to bring solutions to the homelessness situation that we have, to bring prosperity back to our state. That's what I care about. And I don't care what, what your party platform is. You bring you. Let's work together. Let's make it happen. That's why I'm reaching out to the citizens of our inner city communities, all communities. And folks, go to birdforgovernor.com, birdforgovernor.com. Don't just donate, but send that email. Tell me you want to work with me. You represent this progressive or liberal side of thinking, and I will bring you in and we will work together. And we'll make stuff happen because that's what America is all about. Yeah. Hey, man, that's great. That's great stuff. And and uh, again, so if you know, there are still, by the way, there's tickets available for Saturday. If anybody's still there's a few left. The the sales drop. Uh, they cut off at 10 a.m. tomorrow, uh, which is Thursday. Um, if, if anybody wants to get out there, it, it is a fundraising event. It's not free. OK, this is this is out there to, to, to raise campaign funds. Um, but it's going to be a lot of fun. There's going to be fire dancers. There's going to be fireworks. There's going to be magicians. There's going to be live jazz music. And, you know, you might get a chance to meet Semi Bird in person and shake his hand and, and see his smile in real life because um, 
And I think that, you know, you mentioned, Joe, I mean, I think people, you're right. They do. He can come across as a very serious, intense person. Mm-hmm. And, um, and you know, a lot of people mistake that for, you know, something that it's not. I mean, I've, I've gotten the chance. I've, 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 I've had the opportunity to get to know the guy and, um, and spend some time with him. And it's, and it's great. And, um, and as far as, as, as your campaign, I can't wait to watch how it grows and matures and, and starts to really take off. Um, and that's uh, the best place to go, I guess, is uh, birdforgovernor.com. And, yeah. and all will be revealed at that point, right? <laughs> Dan, thank you so much, brother. This has been great. Yep. Do you have any other events coming up that you want to tell people about? Any, any rallies or anything that they can get out to? Final words? Go, go to Semi Bird for Governor of Washington, our Facebook page. We update it, and you've probably seen it, Dan. Um, you know, I'm in Longview today. I'm, I'm leaving Longview, and, and I'm going back to, to Benton County. I haven't been home for two weeks. So I did meet up with my wife and daughter on the trail a couple of days in Spokane County and, and Ponderay County. Um, I've been spending a lot of time in King County, Snohomish, and Pierce County, obviously, most of my time, because we need to bring that 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 our message to them, to let them know that we're, we're, we're a campaign of unity, a campaign of solutions with actions, not name calling, not division, a campaign of unity. So, I, you know, all the days are running together because I've been on the road for so long. But yeah. if you go to Semi Bird for Governor of Washington, you're going to see all of our events. Um, if you go to our website, birdforgovernor.com, F-O-R-B-I-R-D-F-O-R-Governor.com, you're going to see our events there as well, as you, as you said. I've, I've done a lot of press interviews. I've done a lot of podcasts. People can get to kind of hear what I'm about. Um, and you're going to see a Definitely. consistency. I'm a down-to-earth cat. I don't, I, there's no pretenses. I'm not doing this for anything for me or my family. If anything, you can say I'm actually exposing myself and my family where we didn't need to, but yet I needed to. This was a call. This is a call to duty. This is a call to serve. And I cannot sit by and watch people struggle, people die people that despair and do nothing about it when I know I have the knowledge, skills, and abilities to do so much for so many. And that unity thing, I'm going to beat that drum until people are tired of hearing it. I envision a Washington state where people don't say, I define myself because I'm black or you're white or we can't work together. Like you said, I'm proud to be a black American. I'm proud. And there should be no reason why a person can't be proud to be a white American or any other American. But you hear that underlying commonality. We are Americans together. And the fact that we are physically or spiritually or ideologically or religiously different, that is our strength as a nation and as a state. I want us to come together so that we can be strong together. All right, man. So that's uh, uh, birdforgovernor.com. If you're on Facebook, uh, I, that's where I am mostly, and a lot of my audience there. It's at birdforgovernor. If you want to find it really quick in the search bar on Twitter, it's also at birdforgovernor, except it's the number four, not the word four. So Facebook, you got to spell out four. Uh, Twitter, you got to put the number four, but it's at birdforgovernor, birdforgovernor.com. All right, man. Hey, thanks a lot for coming on, um, and I look forward to seeing you Saturday. I do too, brother. Thanks, Dan. All right. Yep. Thank you. Um, so there we go. Uh, that's semi bird, uh, for Washington governor. And I hope that he can break the, uh, the 38 year drought we've had of somebody, uh, from the, from the red side there in the governor's mansion. Um, again, you can find out more about his background qualifications and platform on birdforgovernor.com. It's a great site. In fact, it's one of the most informative, uh, campaign sites I've ever seen it. It's, it's got a lot of information there. Usually the campaign sites are donate, donate, donate. No, no, this one has almost, uh, everything 
all the information you need to really get a good handle on on who semi bird is and whatnot anyway hey this has been the Nun Report. Thanks for watching. If you're just listening on uh, on Renegade Radio or any of the podcasts, make sure to check out rumble.com slash the Nun Report. That way you can catch all the video and everything. I'm on all the socials at the Nun Report except for TikTok because I don't do that commie BS. And on Twitter, I'm at Nun Report. Again, hey, thanks again for watching. And as always, until next time, may the odds be ever in your favor. Cheers. <laughs>